TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan, Corey Majors, Mike Bassick, and Alec Medford, as well as Carter on the cameras back there for us, making sure that the Twitch and YouTube page are all set up for you. It is time for Mike Asks All the Football Questions. All right. Kevin isn't here today, so I think I might include Alec. So if Alec screws up, let's let the fan tech say, he hey, won't. he's screwing up. He Just screw let up. Corey answer the questions. He is, Alec is very good at what he does. I try. Okay, Alec. My first football question, we'll let Corey go first, and then you can go second is the San Francisco 49ers. My kind of question slash statement is they just won the NFC. They're in the Super Bowl. And they have a quarterback who makes less than a million dollars. And let's just round it up for the next couple of years. So the next two years, Brock Purdy's going to make about $2 million. And it could be a little bit more, but it's going to be a very low number. Being a seventh round pick, you have your quarterback at about a million dollars. The Cowboys are about to give Dak approximately, and I know you can manipulate the cap, but approximately $55 million a year is the guesstimation by most people. So he's going to make $110 million the next two years, and Purdy's going to make $2 million. Now, I will argue this, that Brock Purdy is a better quarterback already than Dak. So even if you want to say they're the same, they're different, but they're the same. They're on the same tier or the same level. I hear you. I can I can accept that. How are you supposed to compete with a team that has approximately 55 more million dollars to spend on their team versus your team? Okay, this is a very difficult thing to do. Now, what the Cowboys will likely do is they'll release some players they will, and that's going to limit them. They're going to release probably like a Michael Gallup to save some money. Uh, they'll start turning over contracts uh, and saying, we'll extend that out for the next five years. We'll just put that money in those ghost years. We'll, we'll lay it somewhere else. And again, what that does is that just limits you later down the road while it also, you're a little hamstrung right now. Um, they have so much talent on that team already that they've got kind of in a really good, tight situation. They got a lot of those guys. I'm talking about San Francisco right now. Their team, you can keep doing that. For There was a stretch where Broadus was like, I think that I would love to see the Cowboys be the team, the first one that says, we're bucking the trend. We're not going to go and just, we're keeping the quarterback just because we need to keep a quarterback. We're going to say, we're going to continue doing this Unless you give us a Super Bowl, you're not getting that contract. And they didn't. They said, we're sticking with Dak Prescott. So that was a very difficult time whenever, because I kind of was in that same situation too, where I had the Andy Dalton rant where I was like, he's going to be too good for the Cowboys to get the number one pick. That's why I don't want that guy there. If Dak gets hurt, let's just move on from it. And then it happened and they signed him. So what do I know? 
it's turned out roses since then. So, Alec, when it comes to the 49ers getting to have $54 million approximately per year to add to their team versus the Dallas Cowboys, how in the world do we expect the Cowboys to really compete with San Francisco? I don't think you can. I mean, at, at this point, I think you have to wait for the party cycle to end. You know, the rookie contract cycle just has to come to an end because they know exactly what they're doing with the roster construction out there. You look at the 2024 breakdown on Spotrack and only a million dollars of salary cap space is going towards the quarterback position altogether. And then you see offensive line is at 50 million, defensive line 61 million. They just get to allocate all this money everywhere else. And for the Cowboys, I think you kind of got to wait for your quarterback cycle to end too. Whenever you decide that's going to be, you know, that's up to Jerry and Steven. I don't know how long that extension is going to look for Dak, but it seems like you have to wait for both quarterback cycles to end and both teams find a new answer at that position. Until that happens, I don't know where you compete. So looking at, I'm at overthecap.com. So I'm going to tell you, it's not maybe as bad as we think. Now, I don't think they can really compete with San Francisco because the money's allocated other places. It says here San Francisco is over the cap for this upcoming season. So they don't have what you'd consider free agent money in the offseason. It says here that they are approximately $3.7 million over the cap. And with effective cap space, they have negative $11.7 million. So I guess the good news is that San Francisco doesn't look like they can go out this offseason and add more to their team. Now they can restructure things like that. And they still have two more years. That's the tough thing to Alex point. They still have two more years of a million dollar quarterback. The Cowboys are $19.7 million over the cap and have approximately negative $22.8 million in effective cap space. So the Cowboys are going to have to cut players without really re-signing many. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is the tough part is the Cowboys are going to be a lesser team next year. I get they're going to restructure Dak's contract. That's going to help out, and they're going to probably try to restructure some other things. But when you look at what they're about to have to pay C.D. Lamb and what they're about to have to pay Micah Parsons, I don't see how this Cowboys team can really compete with, and I'll bring up another team in a minute, I don't know how they're really going to compete as a Super Bowl contender or an NFC contender with where they're at salary-wise. Let me add this, too. Like, this is how you maximize your window, okay? Because it feels like San Francisco's been good for a while now, right? Like, at least, I mean, since Shanahan they're got there. in the there, Super Bowl with yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. in 2019. This is how you maximize a window. Nick Bosa, very expensive for five years, all right? He, but he's got five years left on his contract. Trent Williams has six years. Uh, I'm sorry, uh... uh you know, I'm going to have to revisit this in just a second. Okay. But th but the, their windows are all in the same time period with about so many years on that contract. Yeah. And, Mike, they're both they're all not just drafted. They're really good, talented players that were signed in free agency and made in trades, too. They use the entire spectrum to build this team. It'll be interesting here. My next football question is, and maybe this is a year too early because San Francisco has a major advantage. And if Brock Purdy plays well in the Super Bowl and wins – then you go, all right, in two years, we're going to give you a $60 million a year contract. You're going to get whatever, some $400 million contract total, which equals about $60 million per year. I'm wondering this, guys, my next question, if San Francisco loses in the Super Bowl and Brock Purdy struggles, 
Is there a possibility that San Francisco drafts another quarterback in this upcoming draft and he kind of back up? He's the backup to Brock Purdy for a year. And then they look to maybe move Brock Purdy in year four for a whole bunch of picks. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, do you think that they would be that bold and brave if they lose? If they win, I can't imagine that would be super bold if you win and you still stick with this philosophy. Could San Francisco go, look, unless we have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or somebody that good, you can't win in this league paying 55 to $60 million to a good quarterback. They have to be Hall of Fame, great quarterback. Could you see San Francisco drafting a quarterback if they don't win this Super Bowl? I, uh, yes, uh, because in, I, I'm very interested to see where the conversation lands because doesn't it feel like Shanahan can just say, well, I got to – I got to change quarterbacks here. But he's also the one that decided to go with the quarterback. So is anybody calling for his job? Well, not John Lynch, because John Lynch got hired by Shanahan. So owner would have to be tired of being in this situation, being being that close. It's more, it's more, I think, in Shanahan's power to say we're that we're still that quarterback away. But then, like I was saying, Mike, on these contracts, a lot of these guys have options through 2027 with this team. Okay. I'm talking Fred Warners. I'm talking Debo Samuels. I'm talking Christian McCaffrey's that are with this team for a long time. So you can still do that if you haven't gotten to that point. Alec, do you think there'll ever be a team in your lifetime that takes the approach of we're always going to have a, a quarterback on his rookie deal Unless we draft Patrick Mahomes and we find out, oh, my God, we did hit. We hit the Hall of Fame generational guy. I don't think it'll happen, Alec, my opinion. But do you think that there'll ever be a time where a team like San Francisco would say, let's just keep going with young quarterbacks making no money? No, I don't think it's going to happen because I think that a lot of teams do become infatuated with the comfortability that they have in certain guys. I mean, you see it here in Dallas with Dak Prescott. You've seen it in other places with like a Kirk Cousins. You've seen it at times with even a Jameis Winston. Like you see it with vast kinds of talent, different skill sets of quarterbacks to where people just, they know what they got and they don't want to test the waters again. But I I, I could see a team kind of leaning towards it for a while, but not really sticking to it because I think eventually they'll fall in love with that one guy that takes them to the Super Bowl and maybe wins them one. And they're like, yeah, we found our guy. Let's give them, you know, five years from now, $70 million. And they just get a little too comfortable. All right. So now let's stick with the NFC and let's go to the team that lost on Sunday, the Detroit Lions. I find this interesting, kind of a statement you guys can work off of. The Lions are not worried about cap. They have actually a lot of cap space to improve this team. So if you thought, well, what are the Lions going to do to try to stay there? They have an effective cap space over $45 million. They actually have in cap space, it's $58.6 million. So they could even manipulate it where they have like 60 plus million dollars in cap space. So how... How excited are you or worried if you're a Cowboys fan about the Detroit Lions actually taking this team and adding three or four free agents to it? And they have four picks in the first three rounds. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they have uh, two seconds, right? Two thirds. Two thirds. Yeah, two thirds, which is a a place that they can, you know, make something happen as well. Yeah, that is. I kind of. I guess I'm gonna have to revisit the. the free agent market and what they need, because I think based on what the rest of the world thinks right now, it was just coaching. That was the problem in that game. And 
they the whole team deflated in the second we half. We heard they had a weak secondary yeah. playing against when the Cowboys were going to play against them, didn't we? Or you could pass a lot against yeah, them. Yeah, and against San Francisco, Greg Olson talked about that a lot. So I would I would presume that secondary is going to be a place that they go. I don't know if they want to spend all that money there, but can or you, if they you draft want a guy to. in the first or second round you like as a cornerback, you sign. I'm not saying this would be a great sign, but what if they got Gilmore on a one-year, $8 million contract. fantastic And then they drafted a first-round draft pick cornerback. And now they're like, hey, we're adding depth and and we're hoping young talent and a veteran guy who can help us get better. They will have to visit the Amon Ross St. Brown contract shortly because his contract's up in 2024. So, And he's an unrestricted free agent the next year. So they're going to have to visit that. But for the most part, yes, Mike, this this team can do a lot of damage this offseason. I guess this is going way too quick. My last one is the Kansas City Chiefs are obviously in the Super Bowl. This was a reset year for them cap-wise. They had to do certain things to make sure that their cap wasn't screwed over in the future. If you're wondering about the Chiefs, they have $24 million of cap space in the offseason. So if you were like, well, this can't last, or they probably have to be this run of making the NFC or AFC championship game and being in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in six years, well, they're about to have to pay the piper. Nope. They reset it. They have $24 million in cap space. Now, in real cap money, it says that they have about $16 million to spend in this offseason. So if you're wondering, could they get better at wide receiver or could they do something here or there? Uh, the Chiefs actually were able to reset kind of their cap number this year. So now going forward, they're not really up against it. Yeah, I I wonder if they want to commit more to their their defensive side of the ball too, because it does it does help balance out Patrick Mahomes this year. Just look at what they're doing right now, and they could probably say we'll visit draft. I mean, Rice is Rice is going to have another year next year to get better. And so I think like you're just starting to see that connection start to work as you've as you've gone along here. I don't know how much they want to commit to the offensive side. Eventually, I guess the Travis Kelsey replacement is going to have to be something they have to consider. But I would probably see them spending that frugally on the other side. And they still have options to work with Mahomes' contract down the road, too. So for the entirety of his career, they've done a very smart job there. By the way, the Packers are $7 million over in effective cap space. So oh. the Packers can't really, even though they have Jordan Love on a rookie deal, they can't really do a lot in free agency. And the teams that I'm going to wonder about, what are they going to do? Uh, Jim Harbaugh's new team is $55 million over in effective cap space. $55 million. The Bills, $55 million over in effective cap space. About $51 million in cap space. And the Dolphins are also $52 million over the cap and almost $59 million over in effective cap space. So the Chargers, Bills, and Dolphins might have to be cutting some players. I'm interested in the in the Chargers because they just hired uh, Joe Hort, Hort, Hortiz uh, as their new GM, and he's been in the Ravens culture for a long time. So I think they're like he's just looking over at his brother, going, "That organization has had a fantastic." Uh, approach to building a team. We're going to build like the Baltimore Ravens do. They might just be starting all over, but they have a quarterback. So. Coming up next here on the KNC Masterpiece, Adam Silver says the game is going to continue creating rules to make it more balanced, but he didn't love the old school basketball next in the fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. 
In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Man, the Mavericks get the win last night over the Orlando Magic, 131 to 129. And it was another one of those nights. I think this is wild. The For the third time this season, two Mavericks have scored at least 35 points in the same game. There have only been 13 other games of such instances in Mavs history. Uh, and this is the third time in franchise history the team has three of such in the same season. So it's just weird to me to have two guys scoring that many points in one night. But, you know, maybe it happens a lot. Mavericks recorded 131 points in that in that game. That was the team's uh, 100. It was their second most points the Magic have allowed in the game in the games of the season. Yeah. That's kind of where I wanted to direct this conversation because one of the other really cool things about last night is they held the Magic to 12 points in the third quarter. That is the fewest points in a quarter this year. All right. That's 12 points. That's really good. That's an exceptional quarter. Especially it wasn't like Orlando was struggling. At halftime, you'd given up probably, I'm going to guess, the f- top five most points you've given up this season in a first half. Yeah. I mean, the Mavericks have had other bad defensive games, but you'd given up, it was either 77 or 79 points at halftime. Yeah, and one of the the things that we've kind of been discussing, and, and that's where I'm just like, man, is any are we going to, do we play defense? And I don't. I'm not saying I need prehistoric San Antonio Spurs 70-point games every night. And you're not allowed to anymore. I mean, I think this is where the conversation is going, is you're not allowed to play Derek Harper defense yes. anymore. The The lowest opponent's points per game is the number one team in the West, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 107.4 points a game. That's the lowest. I don't know that I've. I don't know when the la, when this started. When every team gave up a hundred over a hundred points, a hundred and seven points a game is the best. Is is the best right now? And I can't. I mean, I think it's one twenty four, and that's the Wizards, and they just plain stink. But the Milwaukee Bucks give up a hundred and twenty points a night. They're scoring a hundred and twenty four a night, but they give up a hundred and twenty. The Mavericks at the moment giving up a hundred and eighteen point six. They're averaging 118.9. So they're just barely getting by in this situation. 
it just feels like the game is a different game than we grew up with, and I don't know if I love it. I know the old school guys, uh, the guys that played in our generation are probably looking at it going, what in the world? My numbers would be insane had I played in this league right now. Can you imagine Dirt in this league right now, the way that it's the way that it's being played? He would be a different – his numbers would be so dramatically different. 100%. And we look at the – like the, the Luka's probably going to be the number one all-time scorer at some point. If he plays long if enough. If he plays yes. long enough, he, he's averaging 30-something And they keep night. the rules the same way. Yeah. I, just to give you an idea, I pulled this up. You said the best was 107. Yep, defensively, yes. I went back to the championship Dallas Maverick team. Would you like to guess how many points that Dallas Maverick team gave up per game? I, w- I feel like it's 106, but am I clo- Am I far off there? You had one number right, the six. 96. 96. But and that was – How about where, this? Where did that rank in the league that year? Well, the Chicago Bulls were the best. They were 62-20 and 20 that year, and they gave up 91.3 points per game. Now, I guess there was one team better, the Boston Celtics, and I think this is where it, go, where it actually gets to your Kevin Garnett audio, mm-hmm. uh, gave up 91.1. The Miami Heat, the first year of LeBron and Wade and Bosch, they gave up 94.6. But a bad team, I'm trying to look, the worst team in the NBA, funny, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And you just said they're the best team this year. They gave up 107.7. They were the worst defensive team last year. In 2010-2011, when the Mavs won the championship, the worst defensive team in the NBA was the Minnesota Timberwolves. They were 17-65 and that year record-wise, and they gave up 107.7. I did like the league more where the average score was 100, where you felt like if we get to 100 points, we have a good chance of winning this game, it I felt don't competitive. I don't, yeah, I don't want it to be 80s. Yeah, but uh, you know, and what I mean by that is 86 to 84. I don't want it to be that. I I agree with a lot of the comments on that, but I also don't need it to be 128 to 133. And somebody said, watch soccer if you don't like offense. I'll get to. It's not that I don't like offense because right. there there are guys that are more skilled than we've ever seen before. They're making three-pointers in at clips that are just insane. This Especially is, the the range that Curry, Lillard yeah. shoot from. And it makes it difficult. That that especially makes it difficult. It puts a lot of stress on defensive players to cover the court the same way too. I get that. It's not that, but it does feel like the effort of defense is my biggest problem. But here is Adam Silver, who just uh, is working on him, himself a, a new deal with the NBA to be there like forever. And he's talking with Kevin Garnett on the high scoring in the NBA. I'll answer it coming from the fan in me, which is, and maybe data comes into play here because I can look at television ratings yep. and other measures of yep, interest. Yep. There was a point, I believe, you know, probably in around the late 90s when the game became too physical. Mm. And I think we lost some of the... From viewers, you mean? Yeah, and I think for our fans, from the aesthetic enjoyment of the game, where it de-emphasized the particular skill a player had Mm. and maybe weighted too heavily physicality, where Mm. a big, strong player could come in and prevent a incredibly skilled player from doing those kinds of things. Mm. I think of, not that he's a small guy, but a smaller player like Steph Curry can do on the floor. I think that when you think of some of his ability to shoot, his ability to move mm. through the paint, that if guys could just bang him and knock him to the ground, as that was once the case in the league, I don't think that would be a better brand of basketball. Mm. 
I also think we have to find the right balance because I know when I sit in the stands or talk to friends sometime, they want to bring back, and we've tried to bring back a little bit more of the physicality. Like, I think people like to see hard defense. I mean, it goes a little bit before to what you and I are talking about, like touch and feel. Like, yeah. I, I don't think either people like that idea that guys can go through unscathed and like yeah. you're protecting your star players. Yeah. And in fact, you know, we made some changes this season where, I don't know, you know, the unnatural basketball gotcha. moves, gotcha. you know what I'm referring yeah. to, and now, where those were being players were gaming the system in a way. Catching and on. And they, brilliant players, playing by the rules, had found, found ways where <laughs> those were becoming defensive yeah. fouls. Yeah. So we reset this year, Love which is something you got to do in the offseason. You don't want to change mid-course, but Love we made it clear, those players, that that's no longer going to be a foul. Mm. And of course, because they're the greatest players, they adjust right. and they find other ways to score. That was I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting regarding like the big player limiting guys because you could hear Kevin Garnett in that moment going oh you're saying that you tried to phase out guys like me like you tried phasing out big defensive players that that's what it felt like you were hearing him go hmm in that conversation and you're but they were saying because it's just more it's more appealing to watch a Steph Curry shoot dribble have the skill set that he can do do things that you're like how in the world did he get that shot off how in the world did he make that happen and it does take away because of the the way that they kind they 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 focused on take the bigger player out of this game and stretch the court more is kind of what they tailored their rules to is what i was getting from adam silver in that yeah i i i i hear what you're saying I feel like they've t- tailored the rules to an NBA All-Star game. And what I mean by that is not today's NBA All-Star game. Somebody took me out of context when they put out the jerseys. And I'm like, oh, man, Luke will look good in these walking up and down the court for 10 minutes. Because he literally doesn't want to be. It's weird. He wants to be in the All-Star game, but then he doesn't really want to play in the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the All-Star game in kind of like, say, 2005 to 2014, where it became everybody just go up and down the court and we'll just stay in front of you kind of, but we're going to let you have a, a really clean off. look. Yeah. And that's what the NBA has become to me. And on I thought I saw that basis. last night. I saw that last night in the first half from the Mavericks a lot. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't like the competitive nature of the NBA today. I don't think last night, Notwithstanding, last night I thought both teams competed at a high level. So I'm not saying Especially every night. Especially late in the game, too. But I do think about 30 to 40% of the games you tur- turn on to. And look, don't just listen to me. Watching NBA TV and Sam Mitchell and Steve Smith and other people talk about this league now, they're like, there's just not a professional competitive nature to this league anymore on a nightly basis. And that's concerning. Do the players that are playing right now do you think they feel that way and i, I don't want to go to lebron it's and be really like, what tough. are your thoughts here because he's played in both areas. i think i think a lot of the current players would say screw you yeah and i totally get that i totally get where they're coming from but i, I do think that there is a lack of competition i think that there was pride and i'm just gonna go back to 10 years ago i don't want to go back to michael jordan's time let me just go back to 10 years ago not 20 30 40 years ago 10 years ago When you turn on a TNT game, notwithstanding the Spurs, they were the ones that started doing this, or an ABC game, it meant a lot. They put a premium matchup on. Let's just take today's standard game. They would put on the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Boston Celtics. 
And those Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics of 10, 15 years ago, if those were the best teams in the league, it meant a lot. They were on national TV, and it meant a lot that they wanted to show not only the audience but the other team, we're here to kick your ass, and we're here to show you when it comes playoff time, we're better than you. Somebody's feelings were getting hurt that night. Now teams just sit out those games. They're like, hey, we're going to probably play them in the playoffs. Like spring training. I'll give an example of the sport that I love the most that I don't like this, but it is what it is. When we go to spring training, now the spring training games, when we are, I was just talking about baseball nuggets, you won't see uh, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon a lot. They'll go play on the B field, get in four at-bats in four innings because there's no standard rules down there. Mm-hmm. So you can just have Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon bat first and second, the first four innings. They played their four innings of baseball, and they're done. In the real spring training game, they have to play by the real rules. And so now I think you're seeing in the NBA, they're like, hey, you know what? We might have to play Boston in the playoffs. Let's not play hard tonight. And it's like, wait, what? You're not – this is the national game of the night. This is where you're supposed to really show off your product. So if you go to the standings right now and you go to Philadelphia and you go to uh, Denver and you go to maybe the MVP race, it's like Joel Embiid doesn't want to play against Jokic because he knows he's not as good as him. And he doesn't want to push himself right. in that situation because it's almost like, oh, I don't want people to realize that Jokic is better than me. So if I never play him again, we'll never see it. And my dad talked about I feel this. I like that makes you better. And this is the history of sports. I think my dad would say it seemed like Juan Marichal, nothing against him. And I know Adrian Beltre was just, he seemed like, and it seemed like Juan Marichal always wanted out of a Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax matchup or Don Drysdale. He always wanted the lesser guy. You know, he's like, I don't want one versus one. I want one versus two or one versus three, and then it'll make me look better. I'm just using that as an example. I wasn't alive for that to to correspond to that. But I do think the NBA has a major issue with their competitiveness. And part of it is the rules of we don't want defense in this league anymore. So I'm hoping Adam Silver, in a way, can get us back to not 30 years ago, not Alonzo Mourning and Patrick Ewing. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. Right. But I'm suggesting I just went back to about 12 years ago when the Mavs won the championship, and it seemed like if you averaged over 100, you were a little above league average. If your defense gave up less than 100 points, you were a little above average. I would love to get the game back to something like when I see 103 to 100, that's a pretty average NBA game. Now the average NBA game, to your point, is more like, 117 to 114 yeah and for me i'm just i don't know what's good like that's why i'm like hold on was that good or were they was bad defense did they just let them go to the basket in today's rules i do agree with old school people and this is going back i do think jordan would have averaged 50 a game i do think in this league jordan would have a hundred point game i do think that jordan would in today's rules i think he could have broken wilt chamberlain's single game record and I do think Michael Jordan would average 50 a game in these rules. All right, coming up next here on the KNC Masterpiece, let's dissect this Stephen Jones audio from John Mashota next in The Fan. Back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan, it's time to go around the entire NFL and dip into some gridiron gravy. Yeah! Here we go! And that is a voice you will not hear. Well, I mean, that's Mike's voice, but that is a phrase you will not hear at the Pro Bowl games this year. What happened? Dak's in it. Dak is being replaced by Baker Mayfield. He has opted out due to personal reasons. So I don't know what the personal reasons are, but he does have a baby on the way, right? So maybe that has something to do with it. No, it has nothing to do with it. It's the Jose Altuve opting out. 
I don't want to answer questions from the media. Oh, man. This is what a pain in the butt, too, though. Go to the Pro Bowl and have to just talk about about your failures. I mean, isn't that like Jose Altuve does not want to get booed at the All-Star game. So no matter what he does in the first half, Jose Altuve will never go to another All-Star game the rest of his life. And right now, Dak Prescott, not that he's going to get booed at the flag football fiesta, but he just doesn't want to have questions after the way he played – Mike McCarthy's coming back. They, he doesn't want to answer questions. He doesn't want to answer questions about C.D. Lamb's mom. He doesn't want to answer questions about his brother. He doesn't want to answer questions about uh, Micah Parsons' brother. He's like, if I just don't go, I don't have to answer the questions. Uh, did you say fiesta because it was alliteration or yeah. because you wanted to get the word fiesta in? No, it just sounded like flag football fiesta. Sounds, sounds like fun. a good – like I, if I was putting on a flag football tournament, I would call it the flag football fiesta. All right, I like that. Uh, the Cowboys did add three pro bowlers to the list as replacements. Jake Ferguson and Tyler Smith and Demarcus Lawrence uh, will be on there. Ferguson and Smith, it is their first time. Lawrence is fourth. They are replacing George Kittle, Nick Bosa, who are going to the Super Bowl, and Zach Martin. Isn't it? Is not going to be in there. Isn't it funny that most guys, it used to be I can't get hurt and I'm tired and I don't want to go to Hawaii or I don't want to go to the Pro Bowl. Or I'm already hurt and I'm yeah. just not playing in this. And now it is literally they've taken all of those excuses out. The only reason you wouldn't go is because you're in the Super Bowl or really hurt. Like I, and, and really, if you physically can't perform, who cares? We're not doing anything. But still, Dak's like, I'm out. I don't want to answer questions. The Steelers uh, are expected to hire Arthur Smith, who was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, as their new offensive coordinator. And that's that's interesting because he didn't have a great quarterback at Tennessee in Ryan Tannehill, and he was like, I'm going with Derrick Henry, and it worked out for him. It parlayed him into a head coaching gig at the Atlanta Falcons where he said, I still don't need a quarterback, and then lost his job, and now he's going to the Steelers where they don't have any quarterbacks, so I'm sure it'll be just fine. So get ready to draft whoever their tight end is and whoever their running back is in fantasy because I'm sure they'll have numbers. I'm a huge Steelers fan. And Kevin's going to be happy about that one, yeah. so there that goes. In so. fact, he'll have the tough decision this year again on who does he root for when the Steelers play the Cowboys. Yeah, it's always a always a weird place for Kevin. His two teams. That is where he is. Uh, Michael Thomas is basically begging to leave the Saints publicly. Here is some tweets from Michael Thomas. Uh, if I didn't get set up by a bad ball, I probably would have had a little, a light little 1,000 yards this year, but could have, should have. I know, I get it. On top of that, they wasn't even trying to get me the ball, but it's no denying my style of play. It don't age, playa. You will see. Written by Jeff Duncan, but I, uh, written by Jeff Duncan, but I uh, bet he won't write why no OC is taking the job they've interviewed. It's all propaganda and politics. I play the sport the right way. I will always rise. So he's saying that Derek Carr threw him a bad ball and that ruined his season this year. Now, I don't. I think that Derek Carr is sub quarterback. I think he's just a a mid guy. Um, but I'll also add that I don't know where Michael Thomas is on my list of I got to get that guy on my team right now. It's been what four years? It feels he's like he's a vet minimum yeah. player. I yeah. think that unfortunately his market will be known, and it will be. Yeah, he thinks he's way better than this. I get it. He did have an outstanding year. Hell, I think we were comparing him at one point to him and Dez. That's how long ago his great season was, is when Dez was still the the premium receiver for the Cowboys. Wow. That is, that is, <laughs> that was a long time ago. 
the this is the audio of Stephen about Stephen Jones' story, and I can't remember exactly what year this was, but this is John Mashoda and Kit Garrison on the Athletic Podcast talking about a time when Stephen Jones had a chance to make a trade during the draft. That reminded me of something. Uh, when I worked there, one of my favorite parts was after the draft, going through all the tape of the draft and seeing who called them because it's all recorded, you know, like all the, all the, all the trade requests and all that. <laughs> it's all, it's all, they're just seeing, you know, all that, like, so this is how they turned down, you know, uh, when they could or, or, or listening, seeing and listening because it's all the, the phone lines are, you know, if you watch the secret audio, the phone lines are all connected in through the cameras too. So every did the lions ever try and offer him Stafford? I'm just, um, I'm just kidding. I know another line saying that I'm not going to mention spe- yeah. specifics about, but there was a call on the, about the Lions uh, from they the tra- Lions during this time. And Calvin Johnson, the Sorry. Lions called him and and offered him somebody, and Stephen was like, "Who is that?" And I mean, it was a it was a pretty decent name, and he was like, "Who?" And the Lions Megatron. Like, uh, he's a blah, blah, blah. And they explained who it is. He's like, Oh, we'll call you back. And Steven just like hangs up the phone and just sits there and keeps watching the draft. <laughs> doesn't even tell anyone that somebody called, doesn't even ask Will who this guy is. <laughs> and then the guy calls back like five minutes later. It's like, Hey, did you think about that? And he's like, yeah, no, bye. And that's where, that's where the, the conversation is of did the Cowboys front office know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, it is a, to, to kind of dissect this even more, you kind of really have to know who the player is, I think, in my opinion, because if it's a player I hadn't heard of, then I'm like, uh, I, that's kind of tough to know Detroit's roster if they're miserable. Yeah, I, I don't care about that. Or was it a negotiation tactic where Stephen Jones is like, hey, man, I don't know who that guy is. I'm probably not going to offer you anything. Give me a call back when you have something better. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that is that that right there is they listened to audio. They they perused through the entire conversation of everything and heard a moment when Stephen Jones didn't know who a player was they could have traded for. Uh, <sighs> I, can, I can give you an example of like, I'll give Stephen an excuse here. Maybe he hated the general manager or the front office of Detroit and didn't want to deal with them at the time. I don't think that's the case. I'm just giving an excuse. I can remember Pokey Reese was one of my teammates. He was a middle infielder back in the day, and he was with Cincinnati, and I believe he was possibly going to get traded to the Dodgers. And after having a five-minute meeting during the winter meetings, the Dodgers came out of there going, I don't want to deal with Jim Bowden. I just hate him. I don't want to deal with him. And so it's like the Dodgers just threw out like just it's not that important. I mean, nothing. I love Pokey. He's a great guy. But it's like Jim Bowden is such an impossible human to deal with. And Pokey Reese, we're not trading for Barry Larkin in his prime here. Like, let's just move on. He's 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 not fun to deal with. He's he's a miserable person. Let's just not do this. So I remember telling Pokey, I said, hey, Pokey, you know, I'd heard that you were going to be a Dodger, but the Dodgers just got so tired so quickly of having a conversation with Jim Bowden. They just said, screw it. We're done. Like, we're let's move on. Let's go get another second baseman or middle infielder. So, like, that can happen. I'm not saying that happened in this situation, but you could be – Steven could be dealing with a person. He's just like, I don't have the time or energy, and it's not an important enough player for us to deal with. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a possibility. Um and that communication part of it, I I still, in my mind, 
from what we got described there, reach over and tap Will McClay on the shoulder and say, hey, do, do we have interest in this? And maybe they'd already had yeah. the conversation that, look, that guy, eh, we liked him, but he's not, he's not for us. Maybe all those things existed. But in that, you just kind of felt like you, you didn't get that. That's what the, the conversation we just heard there. Right. Um, some breaking news here. Uh, Tom Pelissero is reporting that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, has told the Seahawks and Commanders that he is going to stay in Detroit. He's only 37. He's not. He's he's going to be a hot head coaching candidate again next year. Uh, but first, he wants to take another shot at bringing a Lombardi Trophy to the Lions. So, Mike, whenever we're having that conversation about what the Lions can add to this team with the money that they have left over, they have their offensive coordinator back again with Jared Goff on an offense that was very good this year and another, Monroe St. Brown, that group of, of receivers and Sam Laporta, that team's going to be another year of continuity with the offensive coordinator that got them to the NFC Championship game and is very motivated to get to that next level as well. And then another piece of news that I saw this morning that I thought we all should know, uh, the NFL has announced that Bill Vinovich is going to be the ref, the head referee for the Super Bowl this year. He was the referee for Kansas City and San Francisco in 2020. They only called nine penalties for 69 yards in that game. So this should be one of those Super Bowls where they let the players play and it could get chippy. It'll be a lot of fun. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.